and a very, very good evening to everybody in the house. Amen. I just hear the young people this side. Let's try it again. Good evening, Empower. Awesome. And good evening to everybody who's joining us online. Hope you've been blessed so far during our service, during time of worship. And, and I hope as you're watching us online that you're also believing for your miracle and you're believing for your breakthrough and you're believing for your healing and you're believing and you continue believing and don't stop believing. And tonight, I just really say to you, let's not stop believing. Let's not stop believing. I want to take us tonight as we continue and journey on faith first. And last week we had such an amazing time just speaking on the life of Peter and speaking um, on, on, on him focusing his eyes on the Lord. And tonight I want to take a little bit of a spin and, and we're going to talk now tonight about another guy in the Bible, awesome character also in the Bible. Um, tonight you'll excuse me, I don't have props. I am the prop, all right? <laughs> amen. amen and amen. But I pray that this message tonight will bring us to a point where we remember. I think sometimes we, we need reminders in our walk with Christ about certain basics in our lives. Because sometimes we want to chase we want to chase the super spiritual things, and my apologies for the term, without having mastered the basics. And I believe that as we grow as Christians, it's good for us to now and again just go back to the basics of where we started. So that the Lord can ignite something new in us, and the Lord can take us even further. Does, does that make sense? And tonight I really want to remind us of certain things as we look at um, the life story of Moses. The life story of Moses. He's an amazing guy. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus chapter 2 that when Moses was born, he was a fine looking baby. Okay? He was like me. I was a really good looking baby. Hey, thank you, Pastor Eric. Thank you, Pastor Eric. You know, so here's the thing about Moses is that when he was born at that time, Pharaoh had just made an order for every boy under the age of two to be killed, right? And I think the story is quite famous, it's quite well known, but if you don't know it, like I said, you find it in the uh, book of Exodus chapter two. And now just to give you a brief background of the story is that at that time when, the, when Pharaoh was killing the babies and made that order, um, Moses' mother made a basket and put Moses in the basket and put him in the Nile, which led Moses to um, uh, Pharaoh's palace, right? And she, he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. Am I right? I think I'm right so far. Okay. So and then from there, he calls on Moses' sister and he says, listen, um, I mean, the sister comes to, 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 the, uh, to Pharaoh's daughter and says, listen, should I get a Hebrew woman to take care of the baby for you, right? And then from there, they got um, Moses' mother. You know, sometimes God works in mysterious ways. God works in mysterious ways in a sense that when I read this, I just thought, wow, God, 
I pray for such favor in my life because Mary, Moses' mother puts Moses in a basket. He ends up in the palace and then she gets called to come and parent and nurse the child. So in other words, she got paid to take care of her own child. Imagine how God works, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. I just thought, you know what, God? You are truly a God who works in ways that are mysterious, that we can't understand, we can't comprehend, but nevertheless, we trust you, all right? And in that moment, I just felt like, wow, God is really showing off here. Now, Moses' mother is getting paid to take care of Moses. Then Moses came of age, and he was raised with Egyptians, um, and then later on, rather, let me say, later on, he was walking around in Egypt, and he saw what was happening and how the Israelites were enslaved. And as he saw that, he actually saw an Egyptian person just beating on an Israelite. And as he was beating on that Israelite, Moses got angry and he killed the Egyptian. Buried him under the sand and actually ran away and just hoped that nobody saw it. You know, young people would, would relate. You know, when you do something and you hope that nobody ever sees it or discovers it. Okay. But here's the thing is that later on, as he was walking, he sees now two Hebrew people, Israelites, fighting. All right. And he, he goes to them and he says, why are you guys fighting? And one of the men says to him, said, what are you going to do about it? Who are you? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And so word got out that Moses killed an Egyptian. So Moses fled and he ran away. Okay. So with that little bit of a background, summarizing it, I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to look at this experience, this particular experience, well-known experience that Moses had. Is that okay? So if you have your Bible here, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. If you don't have it, it will be on our screens. If you're joining us online, just don't switch the, the screen if you're watching on your phone. Just try and get another Bible or you can just follow on the screen. Exodus chapter 3. read it from my Bible. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses thought, saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, then the Lord said, 
I am the God of your, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, all the heights. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I want us to pause there just for a minute. There's a few things that I want us to take out of this story tonight. Three things that stood out for me that I felt that the Lord wants to share with us tonight. I think the first thing that really blew my mind is that as I read this, especially uh, when, when he goes and sees the, the burning bush, it's, it's quite evident that Moses had never encountered the Lord before. Amen. So this was his first encounter with God. And thus why God introduced himself to him. And he says, Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God introduces himself. And to, to my surprise is that the first response that Moses has is just reverence. As soon as the Lord says to him that Moses, I am the God of your fathers, Jacob and your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Bible says that Moses hid his face. He had reverence for the Lord. And when we read further down in the scripture, and I just want to fast forward a little bit because I don't want to miss my point. But when you forward down in, in, in Scripture, you see how later on when, when Moses asked the Lord, because the Lord says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh and I want you to go and set my people free. And Moses later on then asked um, the Lord and said, who shall I say sent me? And the Lord said, tell them I am. I am. I am sent me. Okay, so I want you to, to stay with me. I want you to bear with me because I'm trying to draw a picture. Think about it. First encounter with the Lord. Moses hides his face. And within that first encounter, God calls him and says, Moses, I want you to go and bring salvation to my people. I've heard the cry. I've seen the suffering. And it's time for them to come out. And Moses says, okay, I don't have a problem. Let's do it, Lord. But who shall I say sent me? And the Lord says, tell them that I am sent me. I am sent me. And here's the thing. The word great I am is the Greek word ego eimi. Ego eimi, which means that I am I exist, I'm the one, I'm the source, I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end, I am, there is nothing outside of me, I am, 
And when you take that word, it is the first person singular present active indicative of the verb to be. So God's saying, listen, I am. This is who I am. It's my being. I am. So Moses on his first encounter, after being rejected and after being accused of, of course, he, he had a, a couple of mistakes. He encounters the great I am who says, listen, Moses, I want you to be the one who brings salvation to my people. I want you to be the one who brings my people out of slavery, out of Egypt. Amen. How awesome would it be? How awesome would it be? I, I, I don't know. I'm always that guy who, who thinks once or twice. Pastor Eric has, has rebuked me a couple of times. Say, given, don't be double-minded. But I always feel like before I say yes, I need to kind of like think of a couple of things. And Moses was also in that bit of a moment where he said, but Lord, I can't do this. I can't do that. I've got a little bit of a stutter, whatnot and whatnot. But I don't want to focus on the entire story. What I want to bring us back to is that Moses had a life-changing encounter with the Lord. He encounters the great I am. How many of us, how many of us have encountered the great I am? How many of us have come to the place where we are totally convinced that this is the one? There is no other. How many of us have really come to that place to say, Lord, you are. You are the source of it all. This is something that I want us to note. The Lord encounters Moses. Moses encounters the Lord. The Lord promises to bring salvation. This was totally unbelievable. And I believe that it was hard for Moses to understand what the Lord was saying. What do I mean by that? He's been exposed to what he's been seeing all his life, people being enslaved. And now the Lord says, listen, it's time to bring them out. And I want you to go and do it. I think it's only normal for Moses to feel, but Lord, how? How do we do it? How do we go about it? How do we get there? But at the same time, I am so amazed at his response of obedience to say, Lord, I don't totally get it. I don't totally understand it. I don't totally kind of see it happening. But if you say it, it's okay. I'll do it. And I think it's, 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 if we put ourselves in, in the shoes of Moses and we are in a place where the Lord is saying to us that, hey, listen, it's time for you to do one, two, three, four. How many of us would say, Lord, I don't know. I don't understand. I can't connect the dots. It's uncertain. It's a bit blurry. But because you said it, it's fine. How many of us?
Second thing that I want us to know about Moses in this particular story is that the Lord gives him an instruction and he says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Exodus 3 verse 5. I stopped and I, and I wondered and I pondered on the scripture, take off your sandals. What an odd instruction on a first encounter. Take off your sandals because where you're standing is holy ground. And again, church, we see how Moses' response is still obedience. Doesn't know this God is encountering him for the first time, but he says, Yes, Lord, I will do it. And he takes off his sandals. But as I was pondering this, I, I started just praying on it and asking, just Holy Spirit, won't you just give me a bit of revelation here? What does it signify? What do we take away from this? Take off your sandal, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Moses, believing that he was indeed in the presence of God, he was obedient, he hid his face in reverence. God explained everything to him. He is calling him to lead the people uh, enslaved in Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. Then, of course, he told them that. And I think as he told them and gave them the instruction, and as, as Moses took off his, uh, his, his sandals, the first thing that I believe that this action signifies as reverence and submission. To say, Lord, I hear you, but I don't just hear you. I will carry out what you say. I will obey your word. I will obey your instruction. Here I am, Father. You want me to take off my sandals? I will take off my sandals. You are God. You are the great I am. There was no time to negotiate and time to contemplate and say, but Lord, why? This is strange. Why, why must I take off a sandal? I mean, first of all, I'm seeing this bush that's burning. I mean, the encounter itself is strange. So the, the request itself is also kind of strange. But I don't see Moses saying, but God, I, I, I can't take off my sandal. My feet is going to get dirty. Or oh, oh, I'm going to step on a rock and, and step on a thorn. But Moses just takes off his sandal in reverence. And submission to God. I believe that removing the sandals signifies him putting off all earthly things and all uh, profane things approaching the holy of holies. The priests in the Old Testament, they would have to do the same as they went into the sanctuary. Removing the shoes signified him taking off all the, 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 the earthly things, all the, the things that would hinder him from entering into the holy of holies. And I read this and I was so challenged by the Lord when the Lord said to me, but given, do you see what's happening here? 
Do you see in your own life that there's sandals that you have to take off? There's things in your life that you have to take off, put off, because those things will hinder you from coming into the Holy of Holies. Each and every one of us, when we had an encounter with the Lord for the first time and we were saved, we know that we were in a state where we could not enter the Holy of Holies. But thanks to Jesus and what He did on the cross, His grace saved us and we were able. But nevertheless, there's things that we have to put our minds and make up our minds and say we need to take these things off because they are a hindrance in me encountering the Lord. What are some of these things that we need to put off? What are some of these things that we need to take off because they are a hindrance in our life? Can we quickly go to 2 Timothy chapter 3? Second Timothy chapter 3. Asha, you need to help me. Second Timothy chapter 3. Let's read it. Are you still with me, church? But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And Paul ends up by saying to, Peter, uh, to Timothy, says, have nothing to do with such people. Now question being, what are some of the things that we, we have to take off? We know that there's many areas in our lives that hinder us from walking in the fullness of what God has in store for us. Pastor Yerick said it so well this morning. He says, we were made for the fullness. But there's things in our lives that will hinder us from experiencing and living in the fullness of what God has in store for us. And as, 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 as Paul lists them here, I think these are some of the few that I can relate with. People walking with unforgiveness, People walking with rage and bitterness. People walking with, with, with all sorts of, 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 of sin, so to say. Let's read it again. It says, lovers of money, boastful, proud. People walking around with pride, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, without love, 
Some of these things are the things that will hinder us from encountering the Lord, the great I am. These are the things that will hinder us from walking and experiencing the fullness of God. And the honest truth is that we come to church every Sunday and we come to church every week. And the problem is that as we sit here, we come just for a fix and we say, Lord, here I am. And then we go back and we continue to walk in the very things that we struggle with and we don't overcome them and we still don't encounter the fullness of God because we have not taken taken off our sandals completely. People, I was reading something on, 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 on Facebook, I think, I can't remember. And somebody was saying that people will come to church their whole life and they'll still end up in hell. That is so scary and so true. Because we've got become so comfortable in our ways. We've got, become so comfortable. Here's the thing, here's the other thing about sandals is that shoes, if you think about shoes, they represent comfort. I mean, how many of us would walk barefoot on a scorching street, tall? Not many people have that gift. I for one can't. But here's the thing, the shoes give me comfort. When I know that I'm going to do a 10 kilometer hike, and Janine, I'll try, but <laughs> when I know that I'm going for a 10 kilometer hike, I will not wear formal shoes. Why? They're not comfortable for that kind of event. Am I right? Come on, church. It's the truth. And the problem is that God is asking us and saying, listen, it's time to come out of your comfort zone. It's time to leave your comfort and pursue me with everything in you. Take off the sandals. Your comfort will not give you the fullness of what God has in store for you. It's time to leave the comfort zone. It's time to leave the things that we, we, we believe that, or rather, let me put it this way. We come to church and, and we encounter the Lord, but there's areas in our lives that are still kind of like we're struggling with them. And we become so comfortable in that, that it eventually becomes a coping mechanism and becomes sort of a sideline lifestyle. So that when things begin to go wrong, I've got something to fall back on. When it seems like Jesus is failing me, I know that I can go back to whatever. If I, I used to smoke and I stopped smoking and I still struggle with stress and I've got stress and I feel like Jesus is not doing it for me, sometimes it's easier for me to go back and to take just a cigarette and go for it. Am I right? It's true. When we're sick, think about it. When we're sick, we know Jesus is the healer. By His stripes we are healed. We quote it day in and day out. But the moment you start having a headache, the moment you have start having stomach cramps, whatever it may be, the first place that we reach for is the medicine cupboard. Why? Comfort. We know it works. It works. And therefore, I will not, I mean, I'm not saying people are not believing in Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that sometimes we get so stuck in our comfort. Church, tonight I speak because I know I've been there. The Lord challenged me many times. I'd go to schools and I'd preach to the children, I'd teach them. 
And the Lord would say, now give and go and live it. I say to the kids, when, say, when your friend is sick, don't just go tell the teacher first. Pray for them. And then we went to camp and somebody says, I'm sick. And I'm like, listen, I need to call your parents. <laughs> and the Lord challenges me. He says, given. No. Come out of your comfort zone. Come out of it. It is not going to do you any good. Nobody grows in comfort. Nobody grows in comfort. For anything to grow, it goes through the toughest of processes. For us to get diamond, it goes through the toughest of pressures. If you want to be comfortable, then you need to be content with where you are. Then you need to stop praying and asking God for things because you're content. But if you're not content, then be bold enough to say, you know what, I'm not happy with where I am, so I'm gonna come out of my comfort zone. I'm gonna leave my sandals. I'm gonna leave my sandals. The sandals, I'm also, I think maybe speaking about, about comfort. I just made a note here, I just quickly wanna check it. We need to, all right, let me put it this way. Taking off our shoes signifies forfeiting our comfort and our rights. Forfeiting, and, and here's the thing. When I say right, I mean our will. It's saying that, Lord, not my will, but yours. Jesus stood in the middle of the garden knowing what's coming to him. And he was there on his knees, sweating blood, knowing the pain and the torture that awaits him. And he cries out and he says, Father, if you are willing, or rather, no, he said, Father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. But it ends up by saying this, these words. It says, not my will, but your will. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I want. And to be honest, I don't think God could not think of alternatives. He's God. God could have thought of a million ways to save the world. But he wanted this way. And Jesus said, Lord, if this is what you want, this is what I'll do. Not my will. I forfeit my right. I forfeit my will. Pastor, uh, Pastor Eric said this morning, Christ in me. It's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ. Paul says that for me to live is Christ. For me to live as Christ is no longer you that's alive. And that is what it means to say, I forfeit my comfort, I forfeit my rights. I'm forfeiting my will to say, Christ, your will be done through my life, what you want. You can ask me to do whatever, however uncomfortable it may be. I will go, I will do it. Is it easy? Not always. Is it worth it? For sure. And I think anybody who's ever followed the Lord with all of their lives, with all of their heart, they will tell you 
about all the opposition, the onslaught, the attacks. But they kept holding on to the will of God because His will is perfect. His will is perfect. We need to surrender our past. We need to surrender our present. And we need to surrender our future. As we take off our sandals, it's saying, Lord, I surrender it all to you. I surrender it all to you. Surrender your past experiences, these disappointments, your past hurts, traumas. Surrender your guilt, surrender your shame. Surrender things that happened in the past to the Lord. Because God is no longer going to the past. He's heading for the future. And He's heading for eternity. God's mind is always in forever. Surrender your past. Do what needs to be done. If you need to heal, if you need to go to for counseling, whatever it is, but don't stay there. Surrender to God. Say, God, here's my past. Here's everything that I've went to, through. Here are my scars. But surrender it to God. Don't use it as a crutch to say, you know what? God disappointed me here and there. And I said the same thing last week. That we can use our disappointment and our past hurts and our past. You know, this weekend I was speaking to somebody and we were speaking about forgiveness. And it says, what if they do it again? And I'm like, what if God asks you the same question when you ask for forgiveness? Because I'm more, like, more, more likely to do it again. And God says, I forgive you. And because I forgive you, forgive others. But because she's holding on to the past and she's holding on to the trauma and she's holding and she's not surrendering it to God. And I said to her, say, listen, I'm not saying be oblivious and I'm not saying just ignore your past and I'm not saying don't heal. No, I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying it's time to give it to the Lord. Because if you want to live in the fullness of what God has in store for you, the past cannot be your reference point. History helps us, but we don't live in history. We are moving forward. The Lord wants to advance us. We need to surrender our present, surrender our work, our finances, our relationships, surrender to God. God says, Angelina, I want you to take your million rand car and give it to Pastor Given. You better be obedient. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Given will say, I receive it. But even in your present, surrender to Him. Surrender everything. I was saying to my friends a couple of days ago, I said, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we make plans and as we make plans, we forget to include the Lord because, like I said last week, that we believe that the Lord is part of our story, whereas we are part of His story. And here's the thing is that when things start going haywire, 
then we get confused and it was at that time where I, I felt the Lord say given your daily life needs to be surrendered to me your day to day life there was one pastor I will never forget her she said she told me this and she said listen every day of your life include the Lord include the Holy Spirit in every decision that you make surrender to him and she made this example and I remember I laughed and I was like oh my goodness are you serious she's like even when you're buying a packet of chips ask the Lord Lord what flavor do we feel like tonight salt and vinegar chutney beef and as I grew older I started to understand to say listen my life is not my own I'm living a surrendered life and unless I'm willing to surrender I will not walk in the fullness of what God has in store for me surrender your future surrender your future to him he's already in the future right now he knows the end even in the beginning all your goals dreams aspirations desires everything surrender to him I don't know how many times I've said to the Lord Lord I can't continue in this path because I don't see a future and he says given you don't need to see the future look at me and I felt but Lord I need a clue and he says given you don't need a clue look at me and I said but Lord I need some sort of certainty and he says no given you don't just look at me and I decided that father no matter how hard it is I will no longer look for the clues and for the certainty and whatever but I will keep looking at you even when it's blurry even when it's raining even when it's dark and I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow what I'm gonna eat what I'm gonna wear I'm just gonna look at you I'm gonna look at you surrender your future as I stand here, I believe I don't have a future. What do I mean by that? The Lord is my future. Many years of my life where I really, as a young person, just try to, to connect all the dots. And when the dots did not make sense, I used to find myself in places where I'd feel like the Lord is wasting my time. And I'd want to take matters into my own hands. And that did not work out well for me. Until I started looking at my few, uh, at the Lord. Sorry. If I share this testimony with you. If you told me last year that this year I'll be standing on this pulpit preaching. I tell you you're lying. Not because the Lord did not plan it, but because I had other plans. And the Lord said, no. No. Just keep looking at me. We're going. Just keep looking at me. Surrender your future to me. Surrender your life to me. Allow me to lead you, to guide you. But as long as your life is not surrendered, you will not live and see the fullness of God.
lastly, I believe that the taking of the shoes represents, you know how we, when your shoes are muddy and all that, and as you get home, you take off your shoes because you're home and you don't want to get the house dirty or whatever. But I really believe that it, re it represents what signifies that we're at home. Moses felt at home with the Lord. He got rejected by the Hebrews. He got rejected by the Egyptians. He ran away. And he came to a place where he found the Lord. And he found home. And he never left the Lord from that day on. Because the Lord says, listen Moses, you're welcome. It's your home. I'm your home. If you think about the story of the prodigal son who went and he squandered his inheritance and came back days later after he came back to his senses and he thought to himself because he was now living like a pig, eating with the pigs, and he thought to, myself, to himself that, you know what, I can go back home. I can go back home. I know it's bad. I know I've wronged my father. I know I've, 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 I've done the unforgivable. But I can go back home. Little did he know that as he was wandering, his father was coming out day after day, checking where his son is and checking if he's approaching from a distance. And the day when the son decided to come home, it was the biggest celebration ever as the father stood on his porch at the gate, just also just looking, where is my son? Where is my son? And from a distance, he sees his son approaching. And the father did not, could not even contain his joy, could not even wait. I can just see him jumping his gate, running to the son, just embracing him and giving him a hug and saying, welcome home. Welcome home. Church, tonight I want us to know and I want us to remind, I want to remind us that with God, we are home. We are home. He's our safe place. He's our strong tower, our refuge. We are home. And for as long as our sandals are off and we live a surrendered life to Him and we take off everything that hinders us from walking in the fullness, I promise you this. God will not let you down. God will not let you down. I want to come in for a slow landing or a quick one. See Moses, Moses' response is obedience. His response was obedience. Moses could have just walked away from the burning bush. Moses could have refused to take off his sandals. But Moses was obedient. And as a result of his obedience, we see how the Lord uses Moses extraordinarily. 
He did amazing things for the Lord. Delivering the Israelites out of Egypt. Performing the most amazing miracles. I would have freaked out if I was there. And parting the Red Sea. Just taking my stuff and be like, yay. And the Red Sea opens up. I would have been ecstatic seeing food falling from heaven. He was performing the most outrageous miracles and the Lord was using him mightily. Mightily. But here's the thing. There came a time where the Israelites needed water and the Lord told Moses to strike the rock. We know the story, right? And he striked it twice. He struck the rock and then he struck the rock and then water came out. And then later on, when you read in Numbers, you see how now, and I, I need to mention this, friends, is that Moses was obedient even in the toughest of times. He was dealing with a very difficult group of people complaining to him day after day. They complained about the weirdest of things. And through all of that, Moses was obedient to the leading of the Lord, to the voice of God. And now, after the first encounter or the first time when he, he struck the rock and water came out, later on in Numbers, we see how then they need water again. And Moses also that goes to the Lord and says, Lord, they need water. And the Lord says this time, listen, Moses, speak to the rock. And Moses, because he's tired and the people are just complaining and everything, he just hit the rock. And we see how it is at that moment that God says, listen, Moses, because you did not trust me, that this instruction that I've given you will happen. It will happen. Because of that, you will not enter the promised land. Because of that, you will not enter the promised land. And because of time, I'm just fast forwarding. When you read at the end, you read about the death of Moses. The Lord actually takes Moses to a hill. And he says, Moses, my friend, quickly have a look there. You see it. Promised land. Amen. But unfortunately, my friend, you're not going in. Your journey ends here. And there's many of us that have cut our journey short because we've become too familiar with the Lord. And I want to end here tonight and say familiarity will hinder us big time from walking in the fullness of what God has in store for us. It will hinder us from possessing the promised land. It will hinder you big time. Moses had a point of reference saying, okay, last time I just hit the rock and he just forgot the instruction and became familiar with God. Said, okay, I hit it before, I'm going to hit it again. Something, the same thing's going to happen. There's many of us that become familiar with God and the things of God. And we don't take Him seriously. And we don't take His word seriously. But tonight... I just want to remind us. Let us become the people that have fear and reverence for the Lord. That's willing to take off everything that stands between us and God. That's willing to come out of our comfort zone. 
that's willing to surrender our lives, surrender the past, surrender the present, surrender the future, the people that is willing to walk in obedience, the people that's willing to put God first in everything that we do in all our lives. Let's be those people again. Let's not just be the people who are content with just coming to church. Let's not be the people who's content with just getting... I don't even want to say a swear word here. But I'm so passionate because I see how we live defeated lives simply because we've become familiar with the Lord. The Lord has challenged me personally. He said, given, for as long as you stay in a place Where you become so familiar that you begin to think that you can live without me is the day you lose the promised land. It's the day you physically step out of the fullness of what God has in store for you. Church, tonight I want to just close off by saying rather challenging us have we become familiar with the Lord Moses did amazing things he was outstanding until that moment Ask yourself that question tonight. If you're watching online, ask yourself that question. And you would know the answer. Have I become familiar with the Lord? I say it all the time to the young people. I say, we cannot get stuck at repentance. We can't come to church and the Lord sets us free. And we go back to what the Lord set us free from. And we come back the following week and we say, Lord set us free. And we go back to what the Lord set us free from. And we come back the next week again. And it becomes a cycle. And we begin to think, okay, as long as I can come and repent, the Lord is just to forgive me. That is becoming familiar with the Lord. Am I familiar with the Lord? Are you too familiar with the Lord? What are some of the areas in your life that needs to change? Areas in your life that you kind of need to take off your sandals because they're hindering you from walking in the fullness of God. Won't you bow your head tonight? I think tonight as we as we get approach the end of the year let's do some introspection let's check our hearts again
Have we become too familiar with the Lord? Have we become so familiar that we begin to compromise? Have we become so familiar that we become relaxed? Have we become so familiar that we become nonchalant about the things of God? Just take 10 seconds and just think for yourself. Just do a bit of introspection. If you're watching online, just take some time. Just think. Have you become familiar? Just five more seconds. Ask the worship team to join us. I want us where you are sitting this, tonight. I says, just done some introspection. I want you to come to a place of saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Father, I do not, I want to live in the fullness. And I let go of every hindrance in my life. Be it pride, unforgiveness, hurt, offense. Sin. Idolatry. Compromise. Just come to that place tonight. Come to the place where you say, Lord, I will not go back to where I used to be before your presence and before you, before I encountered you. You came and changed my life. I won't go back to that place.